everybody, welcome to the third episode of On the Black. I'm Zach Gifford here again with my co-host Joe Schwarz, both of the Intrepid STL. You can find us on Twitter at ZJ Gifford and at STL Cup of Joe. Today we're going to be talking St. Louis Cardinals pitching again. Uh, we'll start out with Carlos Martinez, who tossed a gem today against the San Diego Padres. So I guess a little bit maybe of a qualifier there. Um, Joe, I know you love Carlos Martinez, so you'll love hearing these stats up through um, entering today. So obviously he got a little bit better today. He was 11th in the National League in wins above replacement and fielding independent pitching. Both of those are moving up with his start today. He's top five in innings, and he's top ten in ERA. I didn't have a chance to watch the game today. Um, I know you did. I, I I imagine it was, you know, one of the more fun things you've done in a long time with how much you love him and how good it seems like he looked. So go ahead and give us, you know, what you saw from him today, how it all came together, and you know, just kind of your takeaways from the start. Yeah, as a quick note, I missed the first inning because I was still at work, but I did get to watch the remaining eight innings, and uh, it was quite possibly the best game I've ever seen Carlos Martinez pitch. I know by game score it wasn't. It was up there. He was at 92, but um, I don't think it was up to where he was against the Phillies or his other complete game that we lost. Yeah, that was well, against the, the San Francisco Giants back. Yeah. It was actually right before I graduated. Yeah, Interesting so note. a long time ago. Um, so, but it was essentially, and what I've talked about on Twitter, what I've talked about with you privately, and what I've talked about with basically anyone that I talk baseball about whenever Carlos Martinez comes up, is he has four really good pitches, and up to this point in his career, every couple starts, one or two of those pitches are working, and the other two are flat or are just okay. Well, today the four-seamer was there, the sinker was there, the changeup looked as good as it's looked all season, and the slider, he hung a couple of the Will Myers, but uh, then he threw some nasty ones to Will Myers, so that pitch was on too, and I've just never seen in one start up to this point in my entire time of watching Carlos Martinez's starts where all four pitches seemed to be working for him. And they were working so well that he was, I think he threw somewhere around 75-80% first pitch strikes. And these weren't just get me over fastballs. These were sliders. These were changeups. These were sinkers. And, of course, the four-seamer. And uh, he was just so fun to watch today. And... Obviously, towards the end, it tailed down a little bit. He walked three hitters in the in the eighth and the ninth um, combined. He didn't even get to a three-ball count until the eighth inning. Um, I don't know. It was just one of the most exciting starts that I've seen. And considering how his last start was, this was very, I guess, a, a positive development, especially because I heard a lot of people say, oh, he's not an ace after the last start and then I see this and I'm like oh well maybe he is an ace so I don't know I it was a tough start for you to miss if you have the chance yeah uh, I might go have to back condensed. I might have to go back and watch the archive because it sounds like he he kind of put together a masterpiece out there honestly yeah I mean from a sequencing standpoint from a raw pitch FX data I can't like 
just thinking of Harry Pavlidis, who uh, basically classifies all the pitch FX data over at brooksbaseballnet.net, seeing and just thinking of him going through this data, I know like a lot of people that listen to this don't really care about that as much as me and you do, but he's got to be excited about it. In fact, I tweeted at him and he favorited it. And then when I tweeted that this was the best I've ever seen Carlos Martinez look, he favored it. So I'm sure he, I can't wait to hear from him to see what he thinks of this start because you can hear the excitement in my voice right now. And I'm not exaggerating here. This was one of the best starts I've ever seen from any Cardinals pitcher in recent memory. That's, that's saying quite a bit. And back to, you know, the ace question, that's something that me and you have talked about. It's something that I've tried to look into after our conversations, but sort of a lot of it depends, first of all, on what you like sort of the definition of like your definition of ace. It's different for everybody. Some people would say it's the number one on any team. Some people would say maybe top 30 in the MLB, maybe top 15 in a league, but it's really hard. I think now to get an argument where you're not at least considering Carlos Martinez in that category or on maybe on the edge of that category because, like I said, he's top 15 in the National League in about every meaningful pitcher metric. He's – how old is he, like 25? Yeah. Um, 25 years old. He has a lot of room to grow. Um, pitcher aging curves are actually a little bit different than position player aging curves, so he doesn't – he does have probably – few more years to really improve and refine his repertoire and I think he's a guy that the raw stuff is going to be there for a little while and the more experience he gets sort of learning how to work those things together and be I don't want to say be consistent from start to start because that's one thing I did look at and found that he is very consistent from start to start but finding a way to get all his pitches working at the same time, or at least, you know, go into a start with maybe three instead of two. Because if he goes into a start with three instead of two, we might be looking at sort of, you know, Max Scherzer-type numbers where he can get an ERA maybe down into the two fives um, and be, you know, even a top five guy by war. He definitely, he definitely is ha- can handle the workload. That was, I think, one of the biggest – questions for me because he hasn't reached 200 innings yet which obviously he's only had two full seasons as a starter and he might get there this year but I would you know basically with his frame with his size and his velocity I was concerned as to whether he'd be able to go through get through innings quick enough since he's a pretty high strikeout pitcher but it seems like he's doing that I've looked at it before he's you know, bottom 20 in pitches per inning, so, or, you know, fewest pitches per inning, and top 20, I think, in innings per start this year, so he's doing basically everything well, he's got the stuff working, he has some games that he blows up, but so does everybody, Uh, I don't know if you have any more thoughts you want to give on him, and kind of where you see him in that ace conversation. Yeah, I mean, I I view him as an ace, Um, my ace is kind of like a you said top 30 pitcher. I see top 20, top 25. I think he's squarely in that. And as you said, if he refines it a little more, um, he could be top 15, top 10. And I think anyone's ace definition includes a top 10, top 15 pitcher. Um, and in terms of his durability, I mean, I love his mechanics. I love 
the effort he puts in in the offseason to get his body in the best shape possible. I mean, I agree he isn't a big guy, but um, I think he's physically fit to get through the through an entire season, and he's up to 183 innings. If he doesn't get the 200, um, I'd be, I mean, I think he's got, what, three or four starts left, so he should be able to get yeah. there. Yeah, he really should get there. And for me, that's kind of the barrier where I, I know it's a round number and round numbers don't really matter that much other than for kind of benchmarking purposes. But I think it is an important – I think it's important if you're going to be an ace to be able to have, you know, a top 10 ERA and FIP, be top 10 in war, and be able to eat a ton of innings for your team. Because if you're – you know, obviously if you're effective, you're going to pitch more innings. And so getting to that 200-inning threshold – if, if nothing else, I think it's a pretty symbolic marker um, that would be nice for him to get by. We also saw a couple other exciting young pitchers this weekend. Jack Flaherty made his first major league start on Friday night. It didn't go really as he would have hoped or any of us would have hoped, but the Cardinals did win the game, and Sandy Alcantara made his debut this weekend as well. Uh, we can start with Jack Flaherty. What did you see from him? What did you like? What are some things that you think you know he needs to improve on over the next month to sort of solidify his outlook going into 2018? Uh, as advertised, his slider was really, really good. Um, I going into the start, going into the off season, um, spring training, and seeing what he was doing in the minor leagues, his slider's always been his. His number one pitch probably has the most future value of any of his pitches. And he was induced, it was like 44% or 43% swing and miss rate with this slider. Um, curveball, he threw, he threw a bunch of the curveballs too. And I think that's a pitch that really is going to, what's what's going to put him over the top because I think that's a, that comes in at a slower velocity that gives him that velocity difference from his slider from his sinker from his changeup um it's a pitch he's gonna have to work on but i think he's with a good pitching staff that will help him develop as long as adam wainwright sticks around he can basically help him throw that even michael waka sometimes his curveball can be pretty good so he can learn from him as well but i think the thing that really slowed him up um in the start was his fastball he was throwing 94, which is fine. You can be successful at 94. You can be successful at 90 if you locate it well. Um, but he just the, – the command and the control just wasn't quite there yet, and I completely understand it. Um, I kind of view him in the light of last year's Luke Weaver where he's a little bit excited and, and the butterflies are flowing a little bit, and he's not quite – polished enough just yet but this experience right now is invaluable for what he's going to be next year just like we're kind of seeing with Luke Weaver right now where he had that splash last year and now he's performing at a very high rate at the big league level I think with with a whole month of Jack Flaherty in the big leagues I think next this will be so important for where he is next year for the Cardinals yeah I completely agree I I thought his curveball seemed a little bit off sometimes. It seemed sort of like it maybe was you know, releasing it a little bit too early. It seemed like he was missing high into the arm side quite a bit, um, which maybe, you know, some of it could be nerves, maybe some of it's flying open. I don't think it's something that he's going to have too much trouble with going forward because 
and the couple times I saw him pitch while he was in Memphis, he really, to me, it looked like he dominated the strike zone. He had per, he had very good command. His fastball, he kept around the edges of the plate. His curveball, he was able to you know basically throw for a strike when he wanted to, bury it in the dirt when he wanted to. It, he didn't really have any problem with that. So I think this was mostly just nerves. I don't think I thought last year Luke Weaver was a little bit afraid to attack the zone against major league hitters, and I don't. I wouldn't say that that's necessarily the case for Jack Flaherty yet. I think he probably trusts his stuff. I think he won't have a problem attacking the zone. Just, you know, get the butterflies out. Obviously, he's 21 years old. He's the actually the third youngest pitcher to um, make a start in the major leagues this year, according to a Fangraphs article from the day of his start. They have some comps um, on the – High side, they you know compare him to Barry Zito, Carlos Carrasco. Um, the low side, there's you know a couple guys that have never made it, and then guys like uh, Homer Bailey is one, which makes me cringe a little bit. Jerome Williams, but the fact is, you know, he is Fangraphs top. I think he's the fifth best pitching prospect that Fangraphs has rated, 29th overall. There's a lot of upside there. If he puts it together, we might be looking at a really special talent because not a lot of guys have the ability to pitch in the major leagues at 21 years old. And that's, I think to me, that speaks more um, about his potential at the major league level than, you know, the prospect rankings. The fact that he's been effective enough at every level he's been to get to the major leagues at this young of an age. Another guy, so Sandy Alcantara, um, I only saw him a little bit. I did see he gave up a home run. I don't I I worry about him a little bit because the command doesn't seem to be there this year. I I hope that he can have a strong September um, and sort of you know start making a case for maybe his inclusion in the bullpen or as a potential starter next year. But what did you see from him, and what are your expectations for the rest of this month? Um, as you know, we hopefully see him get some significant time in the seventh, eighth, or ninth innings for now. So I wasn't too impressed with his four-seamer. Um, everyone talks about it, the potential of reaching triple digits, and I think he flashed it once. Um, but he averaged probably just over 97, close to 98 with it. And I've heard from uh, some some scouts about him where he does throw near the triple digits, but it doesn't play like the triple digits I, I've spoken about this before I've tweeted about this before um, and I think a lot of that is to do with his command and and basically people if it's in the zone it's pretty straight and they can pick it up pretty easily and if it's a 98 mile an hour fastball down the middle it really feels like a 93-94 so I think there's a lot of untapped potential there. I think that untapped potential, though, has to come out of the bullpen where he's going to be effectively wild and where he's going to be able to dial it up a little more. I don't think him sitting back at a 92 to 95 range as a starter will be effective long-term as a major leaguer. So I immediately already remove him from my opinion as a, as a future starter, and, I, and that's not a bad thing. That's nothing to be against him. I just think that's better suited for his MLB career. I think that's better suited for the Cardinals. But in a positive light, I absolutely loved his changeup. I've always liked his changeup just because it's it's like 90 miles an hour and it just 
dives and it just falls off the table. And I think if you looked at the three pitch strikeout sequence of Buster Posey, he hung yeah. a slider, but that's fine. It was oh oh oh, like unless Posey's waiting for that, he's not gonna swing at it. He threw a filthy slider and then he got him with a changeup. Like <laughs> when you got yeah. a guy that can throw a hundred miles an hour, that's just absolutely a filthy sequence. And if, if you, you can't, if you don't get excited about that, then you've got you've got problems. Yeah, and people have I've seen you know compared his stuff to Alex Reyes. I think even the front office has said that he has some of the most exciting stuff in the organization. It's just a matter of can it all come together for him to start, or, and or can it come all together for him to be in the bullpen. I think in the bullpen, like you said, he can be a little more, he can live with sort of the wildness of the fastball, but you need the off speed to come along so that it can be really effective in play up. You can't be a one-pitch guy in the bullpen. I think he has that potential. We'll see how it goes. Hopefully, you know, he starts to figure out the command a little bit, and then we can build from there. So next we'll move to our Twitter questions. We got a ton today, so we're gonna we had to kind of limit it. We're not gonna focus too much on the ones that were more speculative about the off season because we'll have an entire off season basically to do that. Um, so we'll start out. Um, we were asked about how we think the Cardinals will ap- approach the closer role this off season, whether they're going to look for a free agent, um, acquire somebody in a trade, or maybe promote somebody or rearrange things internally. So I'll start out really really quickly. I really hope that they do not go sign another free agent. I, I would be okay if they can keep it under like $5 million. Maybe you find like a bargain free agent. Just But if you do that, then I, I don't think you're going to be comfortable putting him in the closer role right away. I would rather see, you know, hopefully Alex Reyes is healthy enough early on to take the role out of spring training. I, I kind of doubt that that happens, but I I don't know. Relievers are so volatile. We saw how it didn't work out with Brett Cecil. I don't think committing too much money to your bullpen is a winning strategy, and I think in order to get a guy who's, you know, that you're confident in closing for the next few seasons, you're going to have to pay up near 15 you know 10 to 15 million dollars and i just don't see that as a like a prudent move for the front office to do after you know how badly the brett cecil signing went and with all the other needs that they have um i don't know what you think i know you you don't really buy into the traditional closer role as much as i i i don't really but i kind of do i guess so what are your thoughts on that free agent trade internal uh, first and foremost, like I see a lot of people say that closer is a need, and and I agree, having a shutdown reliever is a need. But um, I see people that I respect, like Kevin Wheeler on 101 ESPN, claim it as a need that they need to address outside of the organization. And, and I see people bring up guys like Wade Davis, who's going to command 40 to 50 to 60 million dollars over the long life of their contract. Wade Davis is about to turn 32. He's had elbow problems over the last couple of years. He's had nerve problems. Uh, he's had forearm strains. Uh, I, I don't see how you can go out. I, th- I think he's the best closer available, but I don't see how you can command or you can commit 
40 to 50 to 60 million dollars to a guy with that kind of question mark and so like you said I'd like to take a look at it internally I'd like to see maybe Sandy Alcantara can hold it down until Alex Reyes is healthy maybe Tyler Lyons can retain his I mean he's proven that he's been a really good reliever over the course of his career maybe he can hold it down until Alex Reyes is back Maybe a guy like Dakota Hudson, who hasn't quite been given his chance yet, maybe he can emerge during spring training. I'd like to see it addressed internally. Maybe Brett Cecil turns it around next year. I just don't want to see them give the money to a guy like Wade Davis when I know, I don't know, but I can almost guarantee that over the next three to four to five years, there's going to be some sort of injury with him, and that'll ultimately affect his effectiveness going going throughout the rest of his season. When, he turns 32 soon. Well, so. he had an injury concern when he was traded from the Royals to Chicago. That's how Chicago got away with only sending over Jorge Soler. Um, yeah. So you, you already have health concerns. You have volatility concerns. So, yeah, I, th- I think internally is the way to go. It's cheaper. And then hopefully it's more replaceable and you can cut ties easier if it doesn't go well. Uh, so next question we'll go with, uh, for Lance Lynn, how much money would we offer him this offseason um, to try to, how much money in how many years? And then as a follow-up, would he have taken less if the Cardinals were willing to negotiate three months ago? I'll let you start out on this one. This is where me and you will disagree. Yes, we'll we always will. disagree. Uh, I'd give him right now. I'd give him a little a contract for, and he won't accept this. I know he won't, but I'd give him a contract for five years, one hundred million dollars, and see what he says. Um, I wouldn't go in any more than that. So if he doesn't accept that, which I doubt he will, I'd say thanks for everything you've done. I'm going to appreciate the surplus value you have provided me um and good luck in the free agent market uh and then to answer that follow-up question would he have been cheaper three months ago i think anytime you can extend a guy before he gets a even more of a taste of free agency the value is going to be better for the organization so yes i think three or four months ago he would have been a little bit cheaper because now he's he's so close to, to basically being a college recruit again where his agent's going to be selling what he's done over the last six or seven years. And he's going to be – he's basically going to be able to pick where he wants to go. So, yeah, yeah I think it would have been a little bit cheaper. But if I, I – at the end of the day, I would offer him five years, $100 million. Do I think he'll take it? No. But that's about my cap for what I'd offer him. Yeah, so I'm of the opinion that I, I I don't want to say he's expendable because he's a very good pitcher. He's probably the second best guy we have, at least right now. But I think over the course of a long free agent deal, we would start seeing where, you know, kind of like we saw with Mike Leak, it happened sooner than I thought it would with Mike Leak. Um, but where at the, maybe I would guess for Lance in the majority of those years he's going to be expendable. Obviously injuries are a concern, but the Cardinals have a lot of starting uh, pitching prospect depth, so I think that they can 
um, you know, absorb some injuries and they have upside in their in the better guys that, you know, they don't need necessarily an innings eater. They have some guys that can that project out as, you know, twos or threes if everything goes relatively well. So honestly I would only give him basically the qualifying offer. I'm happy if he takes it because for one year at eighteen million dollars he's worth that. I think the the security you get um, for guys like Luke Weaver and Jack Flaherty and Adam Wainwright, who, you know, his arm seems to be falling off. Um, I think that's valuable to have for one more year, but I wouldn't want to block any of the other prospects as they come up. Like Jack Flaherty should be full-time in the rotation by 2019. Luke Weaver should be full-time in the rotation next year. And obviously a guy like Adam Wainwright's going to phase out, but then coming up we have Dakota Hudson, we have Austin Gomber, we have Zach Gallon, who's made a quick rise. Um, Ryan Helsley is another guy that's um, I haven't seen, but Kyle Reese, he's a guy that follows our prospects religiously. He raves about him and his quick rise through the organization so far. And there's some others. Um, so I think, you know, I'd give Lance Lynn one year, $18 million, just the qualifying offer, whatever that is. Would he have signed for less three months ago? Yes, um, not just for the reasons you said, but also because he was three months closer to his Tommy John surgery back then. Um, his peripheral numbers don't really believe in the ERA success he's had this year, um, but the longer he does it, I think the more people believe that there's something different about his season. I don't really buy that. I think you know he's pitching like a guy that probably should have a 4-5 ERA, and somehow he has like a 3 ERA. Um, but it, I think teams are going to buy it. I think, you know, when his agent goes to the market and free agency, teams are going to have to say, okay, you know, you had a three ERA for three years. You went, had Tommy John, you came back and had a three ERA. So maybe nothing's different. Um, I'll let them pay for that. Um, I don't want to be the one, um, giving him a long-term deal. I thank you. I mean, obviously thank him for all the time and all the value he's provided St. Louis. Um, but I just don't see too much of a future for him at, with the Cardinals at this point. Uh, but when do we when do we get to a point with Lance Lynn where we think that he's just going to consistently outperform his fit? Because, I mean, he's up to almost a 1,000 innings in his career, and his ERA right. is better than his fit. So, well, I, so I, I don't know. Yeah, so there are some pitchers who do. My problem is for his career, it's by – point three runs he has a career three six fip and a career three three era this year his fip is four seven one and his era is 2.99 so if you base it off the career numbers you would think and obviously that gap is the three six to three three gap has widened as his you know era this year is flat and his fip has gone way up um I, I just don't think – I tried to look into it. I looked at, like, rolling averages and things like that, at, like, his strikeout rate, his velocity, his walk rate. Um, home runs are his biggest problem this year, but even if you regress his home run rate to league average, his XFIP is still at 4.67. So I I don't know. There's His batting average on balls in play is .229, which I think maybe he's getting more fly balls and pop-ups this year, but I don't know – how much I would believe in that either. It looks like fly ball rates, you know, just a couple percent above his career average pop-up rate or infield fly ball rates, just a couple percent above line drive rates, like 2% below. 
I, I just don't see enough things to believe that like all of a sudden he can outperform his fit by a run and a half. Um, yeah. I think at some point it'll regress, it'll regress, or maybe you know his FIP will catch back up. Like he was a really good pitcher for five years, so maybe you know this is just a bad year and he'll be fine going in the future. But that's I don't know. That's not what I would bet on a season removed from uh, Tommy John surgery, I guess. Um, yeah. So we'll go um, and do some quick hits. There was a question about Alex Reyes in 2018 what we kind of thought for him next year we can just do this really quickly i think he's going to be in the bullpen i don't think he's going to be ready just out of spring training i think we see him in june maybe and hopefully he can step in the closer role i i don't know what you think i imagine we're kind of along the same lines there yeah that's pretty much the same i mean he's he needs to start in the bullpen they need to concert he he's going to be on an innings limit so the best way to do that is starting in the bullpen and yeah hopefully eventually he'll get effective enough to be the the closer or the high leverage reliever okay. next one will the cardinals have a top three rotation in the mlb in 2020 i'm gonna say no i don't think it'll be top three but i do think that it they'll probably i think they'll be top 10 i don't see top three quite yet yeah, i mean top three that's that's and especially 2020, that's a long, that's three years away. Um, that's hard to project at this point. Uh, the only guy that's in the rotation full time at this year is Carlos Martinez and Luke Weaver. We still have a really small sample. Uh, that's expecting him to basically pitch how he is for the majority of a season. He would have to do. Um, Alex Reyes is coming off Tommy John, so. I mean, and that'll be a couple years removed, but still, we, we don't have – we have one pitcher that I could see that could contribute to a top three right now that's actually had experience. So to say, will they be top three in 2020, uh, I'd say no t- as well, but I'm excited about their ceiling, uh, and I'm really looking forward to analyzing it over the next couple of years if I keep writing. I think they have the ceiling to get there. I just don't know that – it probably won't all develop that way. Um, another one, if you're looking at a pitcher's stats at a quick glance, do you look at FIP or WAR first? Uh, I look at FIP first, and I think you would agree with that. Yeah, FIP, WAR is a counting stat. Um, so obviously the more you pitch, the higher it goes. You want to see how effective a guy is when he's pitching, you, you go with FIP. Um that's kind of my go-to for almost all pitching analysis. It's uh, If you're not going to get into pitch effects data, which you wouldn't at a quick glance, FIP's the way to go. If you want to get a little bit more, FIP minus um, regresses it to league average and makes some adjustments, and so it works like uh, the WRC plus, except with FIP minus, the lower the number, the better. That's another good way to look. Um, but, yeah, FIP, FIP minus, those are probably the top two for pitchers. And then the last one... <laughs> We'll go with. I'll just. I'll let you answer this and then close us out. If the Cardinals make the wild card game, which I think we're sitting only three or four games out still, who would be the starter in that game? Uh, Carlos Martinez. Um, we obviously don't know how the schedule will plan out, but I'm not gonna be that guy that looks 
at the schedule and marks down this is when Carlos is starting. This is like I, I don't care enough for that. But for the question in a vacuum, it's obviously Carlos Martinez. I don't care how good Luke Weavers looked. I don't care how good Lance Lynn's ERA looks. You watch today's game, and I know you haven't watched today's game yet. You see, you watch the All-Star game. You watch this guy that has thrown three nine-inning no-run outings this year, and you put him in the wild-card game. Absolutely. And there's really no question about it. I don't care about his hair color. I don't care about his emotions. I don't care about him falling off the mound and not being able to defend his position. He's the best pitcher on the Cardinals. He's what I like to consider an ace. And in the in the wild card game, when you it's winner take all to get into the divisional round, you throw your best pitcher, you throw your ace, and that's Carlos Martinez. I'd expect nothing less. Um, so with that, we will close out this episode of On the Black. Thank you again for listening. Um, find us on Twitter at ZJ Gifford and at STL Cup of Joe if you don't already follow us and find our our written content on the IntrepidSTL.com. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.